1: about this today. Well, Let's talk about it. Hi. Hi. This is for the Girls Podcast.
3: This is a uh, this is a podcast about the about divas, okay? Did I did I get that out? It's about yeah. divas. So.
1: It's also about uh, fandom from the, the queer community, the LGBTQAI plus community, and that old cliche of why we love fabulous female performers.
3: Yeah, and we haven't done this a lot, but, you know, Nick and I are uh, two cis white queer children, and we mm-hmm. decided, well, okay, fine, everyone has a podcast. What, what what can we raise our voice for to a joyful noise? And our joyful noise has always been between us talking about how Women have inspired us
1: Mm -hmm. and how much
3: we love tracking their careers. And so we turned it into a podcast.
1: Because we figured we're going to talk about it on the phone for three hours a day anyway. We might as well record it and uh, give it to you to rate, review, and subscribe to us and And download.
3: That was a uh, uh, a kind of good intro into talking about um, these mini episodes that we've been Uh, doing. We, uh, you know, we, we, we've been pulling from, uh, as Nick calls, um, our moldy VHS vault, yes. and a lot of those pullings were kind of coming from my childhood, the things that were informing me, so I mm-hmm. did Steel Magnolias,
1: still my number one favorite movie of all time. Yes, we did that. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and hit on it. It's pretty fun. We did Working Girl. We did Working Girl, which is another one of our favorites, but really more of a You movie than a Me movie. What? Are you, we, Absolutely more of a meme movie, but it is now in your top... Ten, yeah. Ten. It I just re, told me I that. I reconfigured. I'm such a lister. <sighs> anyway, I love lists. Right now, I just use an app on my phone called Notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little thing called Notes. <laughs> it's for all you Apple users. You'll know that. But yeah, I love to make lists. I keep a list of like books to read and my favorite books of the year and my favorite... Movies I've seen in each year, so that I'm really ready when the end of the year comes and you all are salivating for my top twenty-one. Movies you need to get year. a Google Doc spreadsheet. Oh my gosh, we have so many Google Docs for this I know, podcast. I know, it's so nuts. I, I can't, I can't say on top of it. Well, okay, so
3: those were my my movies, and I was yeah. like, Nikki Bear, it's time, it's time for you to shine some light on yours. And who mm-hmm. do we have? What um, do we
1: have? We are going to be talking about a little film called Some Like It Hot today. With, um, with Judy Garland no. and Betty Davis, with my original movie diva Marilyn Monroe. Yes, and uh, uh, yeah, I was—I really loved old movies as a kid. I, uh, as a, like a kind of young little gay kid in the Midwest, I didn't—I um, wasn't very good at sports, and I didn't. I really, was. You were amazing. No, you, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> um, and so, in between times when I was. Watching um, and obsessing about Bette Midler movies, uh, my dad like tried to connect with me based on old movies because well, he he yeah. loves old movies and um, he was like such a TM um, uh, TMC Stan. He was. I mean, we didn't have TMC because we didn't have cable. How'd but you watch the old movies? We had there was that old movie place in South Bend, home of our favorite um, white gay mayor Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> and um my dad th-
3: faggot rest in peace. <laughs> my dad <laughs> He's not
1: dead, but his career okay. is. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um my dad uh, worked in South Bend, Indiana, so we had to drive there a lot, and that's where we go to see movies. Anyway. I know mean, exactly what you're talking about—the movie store in um, like Elkhart, not Elkhart, no, 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 in South Bend. But it was right between it was on 51 between Niles and you know the Yes, road it was Mishawaka. Niles. It was Mishawaka. Yep, it was South Bend. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it was South Bend. It was like right before you got to Notre Dame. There was this old movie store, yep. and it had all these really old stacks, like tons of stacks of just so many old movies, every old movie you could imagine. And so my dad and I would go there, and we would rent two old movies. He would pick one and then I would pick one and he would always pick something about like westerns or like the bridge over the river Kwai and I would like have like, you know. Find one
3: with the woman on the cover. I I
1: guess this. It it was like Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte and and, um, uh, Mr. Skeffington. That's so
3: fabulous. And we
1: would watch both of them and this is, that is where I found Marilyn Monroe. And, And also in the 90s, this is the 1990s kids, there was this huge Push for 1950s nostalgia. Yeah, there's like a
3: nostalgia boom. Like, yeah. you, I, do you guys remember remember all of this when like everyone was reissuing like Audrey Hepburn posters, like the poster mm-hmm. with her on the stamps, and then James Dean posters and Marilyn Monroe posters, and everyone was like, every it was just like flooding the stores with this kind of kitsch. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, James nostalgia Dean, boom.
1: James Dean, all those fucking tin types. You yeah, know, you get those tin. Bitch, the tins. Those tins with like all, with like Charlie Chaplin on them and James yeah, Dean ma- and the Marx Brothers. So like and,
3: these like tins that were kind of made to look kind of old timey, uh-huh. also like not. They were also just like kind of trifling in nostalgia. Yeah, the boom of those tin types. Can you imagine like like the creators so, being
1: like? I had so many tin types on my like. Walls. We
3: will fill the world at every fair. At every, every street fair, vendor. Every, yes. There will be tintypes. Elvis,
1: Elvis, Elvis. Uh, of anything Ball, you Lucille want. Ball Lucille Ball is.
3: I had, okay, sorry, Lucille Ball type, And I had, if you, oh, y'all don't know, ooh, this is, ooh, I'm glad in next episode you get to share a little bit more about me. <laughs> um, but I am, hey, I am a true, I, okay, true stan, of Dr. Pepper.
1: <laughs> Dr. Boom. Pe- Dr. Pepper is a woman.
3: And, you know, Dr. Uh, Nick sent me that, and I said, thank you, I can die now. Like, best quote of my life. I, I have it tattooed on my back. Um... <laughs> And and yes to and yes, all my fans don't worry about me, babies. I'm drinking Diet Dr Pepper. Um, just like who? Who else is a Diet Dr Pepper fan? Who? Hillary Rodham, Hil- motherfucking Clinton. See, great minds think alike. <laughs> but then so is my father. So, um, <laughs> there you uh, go. So I had so yeah, so I had Dr Pepper. I had a lot of Dr Pepper tins. That was like what w- one of my big things. I was like, I'm gonna get me a. Good couple to put on my <laughs> wall, and they were heavy— not really heavy, but like you they were tins. I did, and you had Marilyn Monroe. I girl. did have Marilyn Monroe.
1: I had lots of Marilyn Monroe. It's funny. I even
3: remember yours—the
1: green. There was
3: a green background mm-hmm. one. It was and really she, nice. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. And yeah, she had the, you yeah. Know, that. Was a pretty classic one. blonde Marilyn. No, oh, it was a How to Marry a Millionaire. Style 10. in, in terms, well, just in terms of her hair, right, right. Because her hair is a little like subtly different in every one of those movies, and if I see it, I can be like, "Oh, that's from that." Subtle film. is
3: good because there is still kind of like the look mm-hmm. is still
1: there with just like maybe some
3: length differences,
1: and yeah, some or styling some styling differences. differences, yeah. Um It's so funny. I was just telling Jason before we started this. That I was nervous about doing Damn. this episode because i I was a huge Marilyn. Stan when I was a kid, but I and I still love Marilyn Monroe, but I definitely haven't kept up that fandom or I don't think about it as often. And so I was like, gosh, I haven't really dug into my memory banks enough for it. But um now that I'm talking it's some things are coming back to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh,
3: oh, just give me a moment. Oh yeah. It's there coming, it is. It's coming. Oh, back. There it is. I mean
1: I actually can't I can't tell you which of her movies I saw first. I'd like to, I think it might have been Some Like It Hot, but... it's kind of the most iconic place to start, I feel like. I think that's what I started. I feel like that was, but the first one I remember becoming obsessed with was actually a movie called Niagara, which is... Oh, a, her noir. Which is her noir movie, which is far before um, Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot is 1959. I could see Bruce, your dad, really... Yeah, getting into Niagara. Being vibing on that. Yeah, Niagara is in 1953. It's her and Joseph Cotton, and she plays this kind of murderous wife who tries to kill her, who does kill her husband at Niagara Falls. And um, I always, like, took it as evidence of Mer- of Marilyn's great dramatic chops. Because she had these two early movies, that one and Don't Bother to Knock, I, I where s- she plays a psychotic babysitter. And those two, I was like, she's she's just as serious as any of the serious actresses at the time. And I really had
3: this. Yes, we'll talk about memories coming back to you. I really have like blips of of like our younger selves of you getting into your feelings and defending her, and like getting really kind of enraged when people refer to her as a bimbo.
1: Yeah, I I had this weird (laughs) defensiveness of her. Like I also had a defensiveness of Bette Midler, but I had a real, real defensiveness of. Of Marilyn Monroe, and I think that that's because she was so preyed upon and abused, but also underestimated. And I think if- people underestimated her. I don't think we do anymore. I think that um, there have been so many think pieces and blah blah blah, and we like re- we look at Marilyn Monroe a different way now than we maybe did in the nineteen
3: nineties. I think she was part of the you know the very obvious cycle of any time a woman who has. Who has power and notoriety. They, we have to tear her down. We have mm-hmm. to at least initially start to tear her down. And throughout her life, she was constantly being turned down. But and she had a, she had a huge, you know, large support too. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was, she was during her time, and then obviously after, has been kind of one of the biggest Hollywood legends we have. But yeah. this is not a Marilyn Monroe. This is not episode. a Marilyn Monroe episode. No, we're going to find a Mar-
1: we're going to find a proper Marilyn stand to come on because we know there's a, a lot of you out there, right? And yeah, and there's a huge, huge catalog of movies that she made, and she had such a life. I eventually collected all of Marilyn's movies. There was this series of VHS releases called the Marilyn Collection, and that you could get each movie on VHS, and on the side of the VHS, there was a little picture of Marilyn in like whatever iconic dress from that movie so then when you put them on the shelf you had like 22 Marylands so right in a gay. row it was really gay and they were like on my shelf in my bedroom
3: I also remember being so confused at that age because you had this just compilation of Marilyn Monroe, of a Marilyn Monroe CD and mm-hmm. I remember being like she's not a singer I don't know how to listen to this like this is so and I'm like would be like you know vaguely uncomfortable and un- unknowing when you would play it because I, I was like this is not the
1: belting that I need like but she sang songs she sang a song she lots sure did of different Different songs and different and movies. she's
3: famous for some for, for these songs too very like, they're iconic yeah and I just' I was just too young to under, even understand any of that because right. you know me like I I would I wasn't really much of a 50s kind of old Hollywood queen right interestingly I kind of
1: stuck with my junk Cusack and rode, rode wrote her, her career hard. all the yeah. way up. But today we're talking about Something Like It Hot, which Jay and I just rewatched. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, we did. That
3: was fun. Together. I can't remember really the last time I've seen the movie. I have like, vague. I'm sure you, I watched it with you.
1: Mm-hmm. That has
3: to be. I feel like I watched it with my mom. But like, what I was thinking is, I, and I want to tell the kids, is that if you haven't really seen the movie, you might feel like you have, because there's a lot of images from there that are pretty iconic. Yeah. They show in a ton of montages over mm-hmm. and over again to kind of represent classic Hollywood. Right. There's a lot of stuff from this film, uh... Uh, that's yeah, that's like, representative of that. Yeah,
1: right? and it's known as like this—the first one of the first kind of big drag movies because you have uh, yeah. Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon in Absolutely. drag almost the entire movie.
3: Yeah, it's revolutionary. In truly,
1: very, very serious, and they do it very seriously, and they look great.
3: They do it seriously, and they—they they don't ever shockingly for its time and for kind of how fizzy this film is. The movie never goes for um, low punches. And they no. never mock um, no. th- these women. Like, they never make fun of fun of them. They actually, in some subtle ways, uh,
1: these men kind of learn things. Mm-hmm. They learn things about themselves yes. by these identities they put on. And we were talking about this a lot with the movie. It's a, the movie is a lot about trying on different identities to find something about yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. and they all they have to do this out of necessity. So, like the setup of the movie, the movie takes place in the 1920s, in 1929, but it was made in 1959. So it's already it's a period piece even at the time. And which is
3: uh, so funny because for me, I was telling Nikki this. Like I was like, oh, it was in black and white. I just thought it was just an old movie set during. The same old
1: movie times. Like, I had no conception as a kid. Right. Like, all old movies were just in olden times, and it was all the same <laughs> yes. Time. Yes. 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 Which, which you, you did tell me that, like, they purposefully did this. So, I mean, it was really odd at the time to shoot a movie in black and white. But Billy Wilder liked working in black and white, and he was the director. And at this time in the late 50s, almost everything was in color. I mean, there were some things still being done in black and white, but... Um, He did it in black and white because it was taking place in the 1920s and he wanted it to look like an old gangster movie. And he uses uh, this actor named George Raft, who is a famous old – he played lots of gangsters. And um, it takes place during Prohibition in Chicago and you have these two kind of down on their luck musicians, a sax player um, uh, named Joe played by Tony Curtis and a double bass or as he calls it bull fiddle player – um, played by uh, named Gerald. I've never heard that. Played by Jack Lemmon. What bull fiddle? Mm-hmm. Well, you heard it a now, lot in that fucking you movie. Sure, you sure did. You sure did. <laughs> he plays the bull fiddle.
3: Play the. I play the. Yeah, that's, that's,
1: <laughs> bull fiddle. And they they see. They uh, witness the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which was this Chicago um, rub-out with, like, machine guns of these gangsters killing other gangsters, and they somehow get away through some hijinks and decide the only way they can escape these gangsters is to dress in drag and take these jobs in a lady band, in an all-female band, headed to Florida.
4: Joe, where are you running? As far away as possible. It's not far enough. You don't know those guys. They know us. Every hood in Chicago's going to be after us, Joe. (laughs) Quick, give me a nickel. Well, Give me a nickel. All right. You can call the police. Police? We'd never live to testify not against Spats, Colombo. Oh, Bash 1098. Joe, we gotta get out of town. Maybe we should grow beards or We something. are getting out of town, but we're going to shave. Shave? Shave. At a time like this, those guys got machine guns ready to blast our heads off if you want to shave. Shave our legs, stupid. Shave our legs? What? Hello, Mr. Polyakov. I understand you're looking for a couple of girl musicians. hmm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, on a train, headed on a train to Florida. Yeah. You know, this movie is so uh, so um delicious to watch, you could and you wouldn't because so much of it is the dialogue that makes it so great and so beautiful, but the movie itself is so beautiful. I could watch yeah. it with the sound off. I mean, like the oh, lighting yeah. is just delicious. Like like it's Every the, shot is like a painting. It's like a painting, and the costumes are just so gorgeous. And like, yeah, it's a masterwork. And obviously, like, we're no, you know, we're not, we're, we're not. This
1: is not like a, a hot take, podcast. babies. Yeah, like this is like, this is considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Billy Wilder made my favorite movie of all time, which is called The Apartment, which is also another black and white movie, which was made two years later, right which, after this. Which, which, yeah, which won Best Picture, starring Jack Lemmon and our girl Shirley MacLaine. And he again shot it in black and white because that's how he wanted to shoot it. And that was the last black and white movie to win Best Picture until Schindler's List in 1996.
3: And then probably nothing. Oh, I guess the The artist. artist.
1: The artist one,
3: yeah. Yeah. does anyone remember the artist? No, absolutely not. We're not talking about that in this podcast. So, um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, but like Jason was saying, with the iconic images, you probably think of that image of the two of them walking in the high heels at the train stop, trying to figure out how to walk in high heels.
4: Ow. What's the matter now? How do they walk in these things, huh? How do they keep their balance? It must be the way the weight is distributed. Now, come on. It is so drafty. They must be catching cold all the time, huh? Well, you quit stalling. We're going to miss the train. I feel naked. I feel like everybody's staring at me. With those legs, are you crazy? Now, come on.
1: And then here comes Marilyn Monroe. This thing herself, coming down with these perfect straight seams in her stockings. And um, a little walk that Jack Lemmon describes as...
4: Look oh, at that! Look how she moves! That's just like Jello on springs. Must have some sort of built-in motor or something. I tell you, it's a whole different sex.
3: I have never—I told Nick I had never seen a camera love a face so much. Mm. It, it just—it glows. It totally glows uh, on the screen, and it just—it takes your breath away a little bit. That scene, you're like—you just know, like something big is going to happen mm-hmm. when, when she when she's on. She just fills. She just fills it up in there. She's radiating mm-hmm. this kind of joy. Um, That I so rarely feel from watching the boob tube. I don't get that from watching...
1: She has such kindness and such joy and such hope in her. Yeah. It's crazy because this is really her last great success of a movie. Yeah. And um, it's really kind of the, the... penultimate Marilyn Monroe movie. It's what everyone thinks of when they see her. And she plays this woman named...
0: I'm Sugar Cane. Hi. Sugar Cane? Yeah, I changed it. It used to be Sugar Kowalczyk. You Polish? Yes. I come from this musical family. My mother is a piano teacher, my father was a conductor.
4: Where did he conduct?
0: In the Baltimore, Ohio. Oh.
1: And Sugar is uh, has a bad habit of falling in love with saxophone players. And she says she always gets
0: story of my life i always get the fuzzy end of the lollipop
1: (laughs) yuck (laughs) and that she always you know these guys who steal her money and leave her and i think she's definitely playing sugar as a complete drunk in this movie
0: i don't think i'm a drinker i can stop anytime i want to only i don't want to especially when i'm blue
3: um I think she's she's definitely Miss Boozy Miss Miss Boozy bottoms and uh-huh. also like what's so fun is that they all the booze a lot, a lot of times it gets passed around with the lady bands and everyone comes from one of those hot pads one of those classical hot, hot water bottles hot water bottles that you would and you know it's like that thick kind of plastic that they would use back in the day that you yeah. would put hot water into heat your bed or like maybe help out with an ache or put on your tummy but this this one is always full and of And they call it the cocktail shaker yeah, the, yeah. Growing up, shaker. I thought that
1: was a cocktail shaker. Like, that's what I always thought a cocktail shaker was until I realized it was something else. Like, I didn't know what a hot water bottle was because I watched this movie so many times.
3: And it's set in Prohibition. And so, like, they're kind of always sending up the fun thing that even though, like, more so in Prohibition, everyone
1: was drinking. Yeah. And kind of everyone does drink. You know what I mean? Like, the... They're on this train where they're mixing these cocktails in hot water bottles and she meets... One of the greatest scenes. Oh, it's it's amazing. But their band is called... Sweet Sue and her society syncopators, and they play jazz. And they're all blonde girls playing jazz. And their conductor is a woman named Sweet Sue, who's this very vampy character actress of the time, who's also in um, Judy's a Star is Born. Okay, so Sweet Sue's motto, uh, or her like rule on the train is, she says,
0: There are two things that I will not put up with during working hours. One is liquor, and the other one is men."
1: <laughs> and I was like, oh, we need to have that rule on this podcast, oh, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we can't be drunk. Nope. And men are trash. Uh,
3: yes, except for
1: us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, and yep. all of the male And
3: then all okay. yes, 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 yes. Oh, and then all the male and guests. And then all the gay okay. men. But come besides on, that, go fuck yourselves. It's so adorable. And what is Marilyn Marilyn. Right. Yeah. And they were first
1: in a moving train car so yep. called Run and Wild. Run
2: and Wild. So. Lost control. Run and Wild. Mighty bold Feeling gay reckless too Carefree mind All the time Never blue Always going Don't know where Always showing I don't care Don't love nobody It's not worthwhile All alone Running wild
1: the ukulele, and she's singing, and uh, it's really magical. This like amazing song and dance she does with this big band behind her on a moving train. Um,
3: and then she quickly makes friends with our two boys. Yes. Who are now going under the names...
4: My name is Josephine. I'm
1: Daphne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is amazing because they're supposed to be Josephine and Geraldine, and then when they come up, Jack Lemon just changes his name to Daphne because, because he likes
3: it. yeah, he's it like I didn't like.
1: I, <laughs> I never liked Geraldine. I never liked
3: Geraldine. <laughs> it's really cute. They're such a couple. And Tony and Curtis is really like like a goss that they would would go that like he would they would go he would go against a plan because we didn't really they have this like really strange relationship from yeah. the go that they're essentially a couple.
1: Yeah, they live together. They're roommates.
3: They sell coats to, like, bet on horses together, yeah. you know, and, like,
1: they Tony, take care of each other. They do. But Tony Curtis is definitely addicted to gambling. He sure he is. he loses all their money because he keeps putting money down at the track. It's just this interesting thing about this movie that they're all kind of, quote, unquote, like, bad people or sinful. It's, like, explores sin in this really fun way. Like, one's a gambler and, like, one is a drinker. And, like, there's lying and deception and all this stuff. But the movie never judges these people for it. It's just like, it's at, a, it's at a tough time. And it's prohibition. It's right before the stock market crash, you know.
3: And like, yeah. And there's that like, kind of queer relationship, though, where like, mm-hmm. everyone's
1: kind of taking care of each other. And like,
3: be, you know, like, so right away, she climbs up into Daphne's um, car. Because they all had these like little separate little these beds, little beds on the train, bunks. little yeah. sleeper bunks. And she crawls up to get kind of, she's like...
0: I'm not crowding you, am I? No, it's nice and cozy. (laughs) When I was a little girl on cold nights like this, I used to crawl into bed with my sister. We'd cuddle up under the covers and pretend we were lost in a dark cave and we're trying to find our way out. (laughs) (laughs) That's very interesting. (laughs) Uh, Anything wrong? No, no, no. Not a thing. The poor thing, you're trembling all over.
4: It's ridiculous.
0: Your head's hot. Ridiculous. You've got cold feet. Isn't that ridiculous? Here, let me warm up a little. There. Mm-hmm. Isn't that better?
4: Yeah, I'm a girl. I'm a girl. I'm a
0: girl. What'd you say? I'm a very sick girl. Oh, I better go before I catch something. I'm not that sick. I've got very low resistance. Well, oh, that's Sugar. If you feel that you're
4: coming down with something, my dear, the best thing in the world is a shot of whiskey. You got some? I don't want to get
1: it. <laughs> don't move. Yeah. Jack Lemmon is completely freaking out.
3: Yeah. Because at some point, every single girl in the band is in his sleeper car, which is like such a
1: hilarious... <laughs> yeah. Because they start making Manhattans out of, <laughs> out of a hot water bottle. Yeah. Duh. And it's beautiful. And all these girls... It's so Dream. funny. It's so... Ugh. And then... uh So then they make it to... Yeah. They make it to Florida um with their band... And they reach the hotel they're staying at, which is the Hotel Coronado.
3: Yes, which I have some. Um, I have some history, which I have some history too. Yeah, so th- so it's set in Florida, but they actually use um, the exteriors from the Hotel Del Coronado, which is on an island called Coronado off of San Diego. It's, it used to be th- this island that you can only access by boat. Um, and then I think I'm totally going to get this wrong, Battle Angel. So don't at me. But I think in the <laughs> 60s or 70s, they finally um, they built a bridge that you could go over there. And I just so happen to have a kind of eccentric aunt who lives on this island right down the street from the ho- Hotel Del Coronado. So my mom and I always go and visit her. And my mom has done this for years. My mom has stayed at that mm-hmm. hotel for years mm-hmm. um, as a child. And so, yeah, every a couple of times a year I get to stay at that hotel and I get to walk around the surroundings and there's a lot of memorabilia and information about the they have the a lot of movie. stuff like it, hot shit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, it kind of made it famous. And it is a truly beautiful um Hotel, not as beautiful as it is in this film. I would have loved to have been in this hotel during this time. In the 1950s. Yes.
1: Oh, Oh, so so gorgeous. gorgeous. Okay, so they reach the Hotel Coronado. Oh, and Marilyn's other big goal in this movie is to... Marry Rich Man! Marry Rich Man, which is always that's that's a goal goal in so many movies.
3: Yeah, I I, I was like, oh, you do play variations. Uh Uh-huh. Always of this kind of character with different shadings, but like yeah. that kind of says quirky, unusual
1: things, kind of like the 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 super smart bimbo. Or yeah, the a,
3: archetype. She's an archetypical, typical, archetypical.
1: She's the archetype of a dumb blonde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you she's an OG dumb blonde. Gentlemen prefer blondes. How to marry a millionaire? The seven year itch, and this and all about eve too her character in all about eve she's always this like very beautiful blonde woman who's a little ditzy and trying to marry someone above her station but what's kind of fun in this film is that she's not actually she's a little bit more disturbed than i would say that she's ditzy mm.
3: because she kind of well we'll talk about it she kind of knows what's going on and she kind of knows how to get what she wants
1: yeah and she's and you she know deceives to get what she wants too that's yeah, so she she's has a wherewithal, so yeah, okay, so she wants so she wants to marry a rich man, and Tony Curtis is like kind of sl- slowly falling in love with her as they become best girlfriends right so he's as he's Josephine and she's sugar they're hanging out together a lot and talking and they're just becoming best gal pals and Marilyn's confiding in her new friend Josephine:
0: you No know, I'm going to be 25 in June
1: you
0: are that's a quarter of a century. Makes a girl think. About what? About the future. You know, like a husband. That's why I'm glad we're going to Florida.
4: What's in Florida?
0: Millionaires, flocks of them. They all go south for the winter like birds.
4: Oh, you're going to catch yourself a
0: rich bird? Oh, I don't care how rich he is, as long as he has a yacht, his own private railroad car, and his own toothpaste.
4: You're entitled.
0: Maybe you'll meet one too, Josephine. Mm -hmm. With money like Rockefeller and shoulders like Johnny Weissmuller. Oh, I want mine to wear glasses. Glasses? Many wear glasses. are so much more gentle and sweet and helpless. Haven't you ever noticed it?
4: Now that you've mentioned it. Mm-hmm.
0: They get those weak eyes from reading, you know, those long, tiny little columns in the Wall Street Journal.
1: So he creates this character. He goes down to the beach in mail drag and pretends to be this millionaire, which he actually based on Cary Grant because uh, Billy Wilder wanted Cary Grant to do this mm-hmm. movie and he couldn't. And so then he gave it to Tony Curtis and Tony Curtis knew that, so he turned his this character into doing a pure Cary Grant impersonation. And it's really good and very funny.
3: This movie's full of switcheroos and um, uh, masking your identities mm-hmm. and, and, and creating alternative identities. And so when he's down by the beach, he's playing this rich professor. And, yeah, he puts on this kind of, uh, you wouldn't call it an accent, affectation of yeah. a professor. Um, I'm not a professor, a bi- of a, a, a millionaire. A millionaire. A millionaire. Who, who, because he likes to, as he tells her, he likes to collect shells because of his family business. And she about loses her marbles. <laughs> it's
1: such a great take yes. where she realizes what he means and she goes,
2: Shell, are you?
3: Huh, knees, I get it. Like, watching this, I'm like, what I could I, you know, have been in that time? I would have loved to, you know, I, I know I'm... I'm sending up like how easy it would be to marry a rich man and how nice that would be. Yeah, but but yeah,
1: if you looked like that, yeah. But she ends up lying too. She pretends like she's just in this band on a lark and that she went to Bryn Mawr. And that you know she's a society girl and a debutante, and she's she's creating this new identity for herself too, and in order really, to seem passable for him. And it's really cool to see that shift because you
3: weren't because cri- she does it so naturally that even for me, I was just like, oh, okay, this is her story. And then in the middle of it, I was like, you didn't, oh, like you have just so effortly shifted to get the to try and like angle for the thing that you want mm-hmm. that you're so fr- that you. You almost believe the lie you're so freely doing it. And watching Marilyn kind of walk that tightrope yeah. uh, was super exciting. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, obviously in, in film history, which will give you kids a little bit of it, um, behind the scenes was a little bit rougher, though. Yeah. She uh, – And the easiness that you see on – because what you see on screen is seems so effervescent. Yeah. And, and easy. Spontaneous
1: yes. and funny and the timing is perfect. Um, which speaks a lot to Billy Wilder as a director, because Marilyn at this time was going through a, a lot of uh, rough personal stuff and some struggles with uh, drugs and alcohol. Pills. Yeah. And she, uh, it would take her sometimes 40 takes to get the shot. And because of that, like, I mean, Billy Wilder had to write lines into drawers that she was looking into, and the line would just be like, My name is Sugar and she couldn't remember it. She had it took her 34 times. 34 takes to say
3: the line, my name is sugar. Mm-hmm. That's the, a lot of film. You all that was shot on film. Yeah, okay, that wasn't a, was a digital film. thing that was. So that's a lot of wasted
1: tape. Yeah. That,
3: that that they have to go through and it's money,
1: right? And it also meant that Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis had to be perfect on every take because if they weren't right on the one that Marilyn got it would be 30 more takes now there Lawrence Olivier he she did a movie with Lawrence Olivier right before this called The Prince and the Showgirl and Lawrence Olivier swore she was doing it to wear him down interesting fact that was produced
3: by her indie Movie production company that was oh. her first, yeah. The Prince and the Showgirl, mm hmm. That's really cool, isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe Productions, <laughs> they didn't
1: do many movies, though.
3: Well, the, well, she didn't have much, she, she, she didn't live much. We're longer not gonna than have much more
1: time on this earth with her after with after our, this, but yeah.
3: No. So, she, but she produced that Lawrence Olivier film, and
1: I don't know if I agree with Lawrence Olivier about that, or I don't pretend to know her intentions, I know she was going through a tough time. But um, Billy Wilder had directed her in The Seven-Year Itch, so he knew what he was getting into. And he – you know, people warned him against working with her again, and he decided to do it because she was so magic. Um, this is
3: uh, this is kind of a fun uh, response from Billy Wilder talking about the film. I've discussed this with my doctor and my psychiatrist, and they tell me I'm too old and too rich to go through this again. My Aunt Minnie would, would always be punctual and never hold up production – but who would pay to see My Aunt Minnie?
2: Mm-hmm. And the
3: thing that I think is very interesting is that, yeah, like, you know, Billy Wilder's been documented in saying that the Seven Year was, you know, uh, uh, kind of was problematic working with her, that, like, it was a struggle. But the, the result that you get, I think, is so intoxicating and kind of so, like, once-in-a-lifetime uh, star power wattage amazingness
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, that he, he knew. He actually didn't think that... Um, she would be interested in working in this role. They originally were going to cast Mitzi Gaynor, but when Marilyn, you know, expressed interest, it's like, even though, like, things might be rough, like, what they have, what they could have on hand is the magic only she can bring to the screen. Mm -hmm. And it's undeniable. I mean, watching it, it's like, yes, I think, obviously, like, the people around her are terrific. The director is terrific. But, like, no
1: one can shine that light. That's her. And because she was... I mean, this movie is so deeply sexual. It's really deeply sexual. And it's, it's funny. I wonder if the period made it a safe distance. Because it was the roaring 20s. And it was this licentious time. And it was being made in the 50s. Which was this very kind of buttoned up, prim and proper time. That the period let it be as sexy as it is because between the cross-dressing and oh yeah also jack lemon in florida an older millionaire falls in love with him immediately
4: may i tell myself i'm osgood fielding the third cinderella the second if there's one thing i admire it's a girl with a shapely ankle <laughs> me too bye-bye let me carry one of the instruments. Oh, thank you. <laughs> are chose you a it certainly is delightful having young blood around here. Oh, yes. well, personally, I'm type O. You know, I've always been fascinated by show business. Oh, is that so? Yes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's cost my family quite a bit of money. Oh, you invest in shows? Showgirls. <laughs> I've been married seven or eight times. You're not sure? Mama's keeping score. Frankly, she's getting rather annoyed with me. Wouldn't wonder. So this year, when the George White scandal's opened, she packed me off to Florida. Right now, she thinks I'm out there on my yacht. (laughs) Deep sea fishing. (laughs) Well, pull in your reel, Mr. Fielding. You're barking up the wrong fish. if I promise not to be a naughty boy, how about dinner tonight? I'm sorry. I'll be on the bandstand. Oh, of course. Wh- which of these instruments do you play? Bull oh, fiddle. Oh, fascinating. Do you use a bow or do you just pluck it? Most of the time, I slap it. <laughs> you must be quite a girl. <laughs> Want to <a> bet? <laughs> My last wife was an acrobatic dancer. Oh. You know, sort of a contortionist. Mm. She could smoke a cigarette while holding it between her toes. Zowie. <laughs> but Mama broke it up. Why? She doesn't approve of girls who smoke. And Jack
1: Lemmon ends up kind of falling in love with Joey Brown and they get engaged with Jack Lemmon in drag. It's just like really, really modern for the time. and You're just like, fuck. And there's this interesting part in early in the movie in that train scene we were talking about when Jack Lemmon's overwhelmed by being around all these girls in their underwear. Mm-hmm. Tony Curtis says,
4: Just keep telling yourself you're a girl. I'm a girl. You're a girl. I'm a girl. You're a girl. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. I'm a girl.
1: I'm a girl. And then after he falls in love with Joey Brown later in the movie, Tony Curtis says,
4: Just keep telling yourself you're a boy. You're a boy. I'm a boy. That's the boy. Oh, I'm, a boy. I'm, I'm a boy. I'm a boy. I wish I were dead. I'm a boy. I'm a boy, oh boy,
1: am I. And it's all these constructions of gender, which made me think about our podcast, like what are boys' things and what are girls' things. And they were mixing that all up in this movie in this very beautiful way. Like boys got to be girls, you know, girls got to be boys, girls got to drink and travel by themselves and and be musicians. Yeah,
3: perform in this
1: like kind of raucous band. Even,
3: um, uh, Even the Miss Matron, Buttercups, uh, sweet Sue, Miss Sweet Susie's, <laughs> Miss Matron Buttercups uh, is your new drag name, uh, Miss Matron Buttercups. Um, sweet, I was close though, huh? Sweet Sue, really close, um, I was really close. That really, was a good job, thanks, babe. I'm, uh, uh, Nick and I, uh, I don't know when this fuck's coming up. But we did the share show, so I keep wanting to do share impersonations, but I'm like wrong episode. Why would you even do that? Um, sweet Sue, Sweet Sue, babe <laughs> um, um, even Sweet Sue, like, you know, tells him at, uh, when they're rehearsing on that train scene to go wild. uh
1: uh-huh. You
3: know, she's like, what is this? Like,
4: all right, girls, let's take it from the top and put a little heat under it.
3: And so these women got to be, you know, kind of got to do that. Like,
1: so cool. And that's the name. And the name of the movie really is about how people took their music at the time. And, um. Tony Curtis's very buttoned-up fake millionaire
4: says, Syncopators, does that mean you play that very fast music, uh, jazz?
0: Yeah, real hot.
4: Oh, well, I guess some like it hot. I personally prefer classical music.
1: And like this idea that you can play music different ways. You could play it straight. You could play it hot. You know, and that's like personalities or identities. Like, what am I going to give you? And the most subversive version of that, I think, is giving, is having Marilyn Monroe, like you said, having this casting in and having the woman, and I think why she was so threatening to people, you have the woman who holds all the sex cards in the movie. She has all the sex appeal that anyone could ever imagine. And it's especially relevant, it's especially apparent when she's wearing the dress in which she sings, I Want to Be Loved by You. So scandalous. It's this. It's still shocking today. It's this nude illusion dress where her breasts seem like she has no clothing, clothing on top. And they're just some rhinestones over her nipples. And the shot has a spotlight. And the edge of the spotlight is always just flirting with just the top of right above her nipples. And you really th- you. I remember as a kid thinking, does she not have a top on? Like, how is this allowed? Mm-hmm. And it's so... It, and it's very reminiscent of that um, happy birthday, Mr.
3: President moment. Right. And I I not say, yeah, the, the happy birthday is really obviously one of her iconic moments. And so is this one. This is probably one of her best known um, mm-hmm. songs. And, and obviously, like, Diamonds Are Our Girl's best friend is, like, very well known. But this, this is really where she gets into her slinky, um, just the most sexiest little voice. And she
1: does the... I want to
2: be loved by you, just you Nobody else but you I want to be loved by you Alone I want to be kissed by you, just you Nobody else but you I want to be kissed by you alone i couldn't aspire to anything higher than to feel the desire to make you my own i want to be loved by you just you nobody else but you I wanna be loved by you alone.
1: <laughs> you know, this very like uh-huh. Betty Boop. It was like a very Betty Boop homage, you know, to the 1920s. Uh-huh. Like that was that swingy, sexy music. And so, Hi Jinx and Sue. Hi Jinx and Sue. It's a great movie. You guys should watch it. We're not gonna take you through every twist and turn of the plot. There are gangsters, people die, people. She fall she does fall in love with this professor, and so she gets <laughs> you keep spend. calling him professor. He's like a, he's he's a professor. A he's a shell oil millionaire. Listen, there's buttercup, there's <laughs> madam friggin' buttercup. he has got glasses, there's so he's a
3: professor. <laughs> I'm kinda of like the Marilyn Monroe character. Are you a millionaire or a professor? And is there a difference? That's what I would think. Like I still think people professors are millionaires and they're obviously not. It's so um, funny
1: that idea of Uh, just what you were saying about Marilyn there she has that speech near the beginning of the movie on the train where she goes uh, she's talking about how she keeps going through these same terrible relationships with saxophone players and at the end of it she goes
0: you see what I mean not very bright
1: and you know this idea that she's stupid Marilyn but she's just given this huge monologue that's so filled with self-knowledge
4: I'm not very bright I guess I wouldn't say that Careless, maybe. No, just
0: dumb. If I had any brains, I wouldn't be on this crummy train with this crummy girl's band.
4: Well, why'd you take this job?
0: I used to sing with male bands, but I can't afford it anymore. Have you ever been with a male band?
4: Who? Me?
0: That's what I'm running away from. I worked with six different ones the last two years. Oh, Rob, Rob? I'll say. You
4: can't trust those guys.
0: I can't trust myself. I have this thing about saxophone players. Especially tennis acts. I don't know what it is. They just curdle me. All they have to do is play eight bars. or come to me, my melancholy baby. And my spine turns to custard. I get goose pimply all over. And I come to them. That's how? Every time. Yeah. That's why I joined this band. Safety first. Anything to get away from those bums. Yeah. You don't know what they're like. You fall for them, you really love them. You think this is going to be the biggest thing since the Graf Zeppelin. The next thing you know, they're borrowing money from you. They're spending it on other dames and betting on horses.
4: You don't say.
0: Then one morning you wake up, the guy's gone, the saxophone's gone. All that's left behind is a pair of old socks and a tube of toothpaste, all squeezed out.
4: Like,
1: this is my habit, this is what I do again and again and again, so I'm trying to change my habit by being on the road with a lady band because I'm trying to break this habit in my life. And I was like, that's actually a completely self-aware thing to be doing and trying to fix your life. And then she ends it with, I guess I'm stupid you know and that really hit me this time of like no you're not you're and actually she has, quite broken she
3: brings some pathos she's like she even if it's when we first even meet her she's secretly drinking to kind of like deal with her demons in which like as she mm-hmm. says like the saxophone thing and like oh she's just always trying to run away but like she has to hide that, like the, her her need to drink and then at the end when the not professor but billionaire shell company owner who it's, it's all a lie anyway so it doesn't matter um like supposedly breaks up with her she really has this really kind of heartbreaking moment where she's talking and you just start seeing the, the glistening of tears falling down her eyes. Mm-hmm. You know the light just kind of catches it. Um she's not she's she's not making much with it and she's not doing too much with her face but she's in it.
0: Where's that bourbon?
4: What's the matter, Sugar?
0: I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm thirsty.
4: How did you get that bracelet?
0: You like it? I always did. Junior gave it to me. He's going to South America to marry another girl. That's what you call high finance. That's what I call a louse. Sugar, if I were you,
4: I would take that bracelet and throw it right back in his face. Daphne?
0: He's the first nice guy I ever met in my life. The only one that ever gave me anything.
4: You'll forget him, Sugar.
0: How can I? No matter where I go, there will always be a shell station on every corner. i bring this back when it's empty.
3: And she really is embracing this kind of beaten down, like, you know, uh, phase of her life where mm-hmm. she's like, nothing's really working out for her.
1: Yeah. Um, Which then culminates in Tony Curtis can't take it anymore. Marilyn has one final beautiful torch song at the Do end. Do you love it? it? Do it's, you love when it? I was a kid You love it. I had two torch songs I did in the shower from the time I was about eight years old uh, one of Wait a minute. He told me when we watched it that this was your Torch song. No,
3: I and, No, but you told me when we watched it this was your shower's Torch song. I thought you were meaning currently. No. I did. You forgot no. to say you were an eight-year-old baby.
1: When I, was an eight, when I was eight, I had two Torch songs in the shower. One was Where Am I Going from the Iconic Musical Sweet Charity <laughs> according to my Gwen Verdon soundtrack that I had. And the other one was I'm Through With Love from... Some I, help. I must have you
2: on no one And so I'm through with love I've locked my heart I'll keep my feelings there I've stocked my heart with icy frigid air And I mean to care for no one Because I'm through with love why did you lead me to think you could care? You didn't need me, you had your share Of slaves around you to hound you and swear With deep emotion, devotion to you Goodbye to spring and all it meant to me It can never bring the thing that used to be ¶ For I must have you, i no one ¶¶ And so I'm through with love ¶¶ And so I'm through with ¶¶ Baby, I'm through with
1: love ¶ It's such a heartbreaking song and beautifully
3: shot, like everything in this. It's so
1: beautifully shot by Billy Wilder and so heartbreaking. And Tony Curtis is literally trying to run for his life. He's in drag and he sees her sing this song and in drag as Josephine, like walks up to the stage and just gives her this beautiful kiss. And this time I realized, I was like, oh, and now we have a lesbian kiss. in the movie
3: we did no we did it was it was and 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 she even breaks away and screams josephine and all the girls have watched this everyone in the audience has watched it how shocking
1: yeah and it's beautiful but then
3: josephine runs away josephine doesn't doesn't do the reveal for for anyone in the film to be like no i'm a man in a dress and then
1: you just see sugar put it all together
3: Yes, and then I will just say quickly. Then and then because they're running away from gangsters and they have to keep doing a lot of quick changes. And at one point, someone turns into a bellhop, but is in a full heel and like so. It's like a a beautiful shot. It's like a combined of like these gender uh, gender drags and running in heels perfectly. Yes, Um, Jack
1: Lemon is running in heels, and Jack Lemon was trained by a very famous female impersonator um, of the time to uh, train him to be Mm -hmm. Daphne in Mm -hmm. this movie. And Jack Lemon is also the only he was nominated for best actor for this movie at the Oscars. And Marilyn was nominated for the Golden Globe, but not the Oscar, which I'm still upset about to this day. Um, and then, you know, they get away and because Jack Lemmon's boyfriend comes and picks them up in his boat. They, they kind of keep this queer line going up until the very end. And they
3: yes. really put an exclamation point at the very last moment of the film that's like... That I think for probably a lot of queer kids watching this, like, to be able, like, it's usually in representations, there's so much mockery. There's so much looking down upon. Uh A lot of times, like, not only are we the butt of the joke when when we're represented in this way, but, like, people are, people get hurt and Mm -hmm. and et cetera. And so, like, the whole time it's, like, been very safe and and very loving about these kind of people and in these predicaments and about what it means to kind of live as a woman for a moment in time and yeah and they also you know they deal with like that like they deal with like they're like oh like men just touch me constantly right
1: as a woman like they are it's super violating and then at the very end of the film they are g- getting away and Tony Curtis and Marilyn Monroe are kissing in the back of the boat and in the front of the boat Jack Lemmon is still in drag and has to tell his boyfriend you know why fiance they, fiance why they can't get married
4: I call mama she was so happy she cried she wants you to have our wedding gown It's white lace. Yeah, Oscar, I can't get married in your mother's dress. (laughs) She and I, we are not built the same way. We can have it altered. Yeah, no you don't. Oscar, I'm going to level with you. We can't get married at all. Why not? Well, in the first place, I'm not a natural blonde. Doesn't matter. I smoke. I smoke all the time. I don't care. I'm a terrible past. For three years now, I've been living with a saxophone player. I forgive you. I can never have children. We can adopt some. But you don't understand, Osgood. Uh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect.
1: The end, like that's the end. of So many movie.
3: readings on that. So many cool, fun readings on that. It's like, the, it's like, and it, so you know how like movies do the classic: the couples get together, the like the couples that you want get together, yeah. you know, somehow magically and um stay together in the end, or like right up to the sunset. Well, this is the this is the film doing that.
1: Yeah, and, but with in with a gay relationship. Yeah, and no one usually in romantic comedies when people have lied to each other this much. There's some there has to be some like, you know, that long sequence where they're like, oh, I can't believe you did that to me, and I'm gonna have to find a long time to come back to you. No one in that film is no one in this film is like that. No one gets punished. No one says they're sorry. They just all reconcile and take each other for who they are. Like Marilyn takes Tony Curtis just for who he is, because she loved him in both of his Personas, And know? I love that, I love that there
3: wasn't an, an ever that. a moment of punishing her for lying. Right. No. No one ever gets punished in this film. Mm-mm. Marilyn was never, uh, you know, like looked down upon mm-hmm. or like had to lose something because she was kind of boozy and like kind of a little bit of a liar, maybe a little bit of what
1: I guess people would judge as like a go-getter. Right. And the only person who gets punished is the gangster who gets killed in the end. Yeah, the
3: only people that get punished are
1: actually bad, horrible men that kill people. Bad, violent men. And there are bad, violent men on the outskirts of this movie who are trying to come and kill. You know, you know those those ain't dames, and they're you know coming. They're bringing in the violence to this kind of weird, queer, fun, screwball community, which is basically a community of women musicians.
3: I I can, because this is a game that Nick and I were kind of trying to think about, of, like, who's the heir apparent to Maryland. I think, like, we've definitely, in, in this day and age, have kind of moved away from, like, calling people sex pots,
2: mm-hmm. Which was,
3: like, a big thing. Like, a judging of, like, yeah. this is, like, our sexy woman star. Like, obviously, like, that's, you know, pretty retrograde and degrading. Yeah. So I think, like... <laughs> Uh, that's We're trying to, like, give people more uh, yeah, there's dimensions a, than just their fuckability. Right. There's, like, that big stink about when, rightfully so, because it was just fucking disgusting. Um, and I don't need to, like, point any of these men out, because why would I? But there was, like, you know, obviously, like, kind of an uproar about how men were reviewing, just so recently, Wonder Woman. Right. And describing the way that she looked and how attractive she was and how her suit of armor fit her and... And etc. And ever and that was there was a huge backlash to that, mm-hmm. you know. To especially for a movie about a fucking superhero that's like, yeah. literally saving people's lives. So, such
1: bullshit. I mean, it's yeah, it's the same way. It's like it, like, I and mean, we were talking. We were talking about Lilith Fair the other day. How the reviewers would come and talk about what they were wearing. Yeah, like just talk about their fucking music. Just like with Marilyn Monroe, just talk about her comic timing. And, I, but, and it's, like, I don't care how many takes it took. <laughs> well, yeah,
3: it does add to the kind of how magical. Then, the, for me, at least, the fact that like it was such a struggle and then but such greatness can come out of it. Something about that it's obviously just like kind of torrid and fabulous to me. Yeah. So I can be like, wow, like yes, like you know, even the most tortured can create such beautiful works of art that will live on forever. And like, you know, mm-hmm. there's old Hollywood Hollywood stories. I think it wrecked her. I think, like, the pressure and the ridicule of looking the way
1: that she looked. Well, she was trying to be a really serious artist at the time, too. I mean, she was studying at the uh, Strasbourg studio in, in New York, and Paula Strasbourg, Lee's wife, was there on set with her, helping her. And she was trying to deepen her work and use the method. And um, And she did. She, you know, th- so her final full film was after this. And it was called The Misfits, and she made it with Clark Gable and she's incredible in that film. She's really, really great. And she was working in a very different way. It's a it's a much more serious character, a real character. You're moving into the 60s where the scripts are getting a little more, a little deeper, a little um, realer, a little grittier. And Arthur Miller wrote that movie for her. So it's also a really, she was, really great script. Who she was married to. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was married to Arthur Miller. That was her final, her last husband after... I forget her first husband's name. Her first husband was, was like when she was Navy 16. No,
3: yeah. you know she was 16. She had to marry the... Marilyn had a tragic life. And again, we're not going to try to do her bio, but it's it's a truly, truly tragic life. And she was passed around from multiple foster families. And uh, one of the foster families ended up, was going to move. And so at 16, she married the neighbor's kid. Yeah. So she could stay where she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then her second husband, who was, was the uber famous Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio.
1: Uh, who she always re- who she always stayed very very close friends with, you know she was very close with Joe and then even after she and her third husband was Arthur Miller and even after they got divorced like Joe DiMaggio and Arthur Miller would talk to each other about. Wow, she had such an impact, I think, on so on yeah. so many people's lives. And she, I mean, she
3: already had such a rabid fan life, but because she died when she was so young, she died at, at thirty seven. I really think like. You know, she kind of joined, she, she's joined that legion of all, like we said, when there, when there was that boom, it's kind of never really ended. Like you could still eat quite easily, probably walk to a target and get a Marilyn Monroe to anything. It. Her image has like lived on as like, it is like a, it is a signature. It is in the threads of American culture. So like the thing, like, you know, she had such a short life, but like such an, it's like such a like intense imprint on our psyches and on our culture. Mm hmm. Well, we
1: love you, Marilyn. Um we thank Can't you. Can't wait for... to talk
3: about you more too. This is I know. just the tip
1: of the water. There's so many great movies you guys can go dive into like gentlemen prefer blondes and how to Marry a Millionaire and Niagara if you can get your hands on it and I honestly honeys,
3: so like long. get on it cause seven we'll, year itch yeah get on it honeys, because we'll be bringing them up
1: right in and rewatch some Like It Hot it's on um, Amazon Prime I think right now um, it's so Amazon sponsor it's us it's such please. a
3: goddamn breeze and lovely oh, and you're so just gonna fun. feel
1: better about your day if you just get a like have that in your life. It's a good summer movie It's a great summer movie. We love Um, you all Thanks for watching. We're on Twitter and Instagram and this thing called Facebook I don't know. Um, And we are on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and wherever the fuck you listen to podcasts for free So um, thanks for listening
2: Bye, Bye Battle Angels Running wild Lost control Running wild Mighty bold Feeling gay, us too, carefree mind all the time, never blue, always going, don't know where, always showing, I don't care, don't love nobody, it's not worthwhile, all alone, running wild.